Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Amen. Full of fresh on us. Hey, how about we take a seat this morning? Thanks, guys. It was awesome. There you go. Great to be here. Who's awesome? Is that Laszlo? No? Thought so. Always, mate. Always up and about. Great to be here with you guys this morning. Um, up here in the hills, for those who don't know me, thanks, Serena, for your lovely introduction. And that, that was a beautiful reflection, too, on communion, wasn't it? That was really good. Um, great to be here. I'm a bit of a COVID sub this morning. Been happening a bit in the footy teams. You know, someone's out, they got the COVID protocols and Pato's out and Morrow got subbed in. I got a text from from uh, Pato on Monday. He said, you're right to, right to preach. And funnily enough, I said yes, which has uh, been a bit of a season at the moment. I've got a few more margins than than I've had for a long time. And, um, and Pato's been a great friend of mine for a good number of years, actually. I think we met over 10 years ago with some bloke stuff and... Um, He's just a wonderful man, isn't he? He's a great man, and you guys have done well. You've recruited an A-grader in your midfield. Beautiful. Get him on the ball. No, he's a good bloke. And, um, yeah, it's a shame him and Sky and the kids are, are out, but uh, you've got me tomorrow today, so uh, bad luck. But hopefully we can uh, – it's good, good to share. And um, Just a bit of an update on what I'm up to. Everyone's been asking. Obviously, some of you might – no, I was in Brecky Radio with 98.5 for, for eight years and um, I've been uh, been chaplain with West Coast Eagles the past 12 seasons and I finished up there at Christmas. I uh, really felt like the Lord was asking us to lay it down and um, been in a bit of a season of, uh, of waiting on the Lord, wondering what's next and um, remarkably hasn't been easy, which is always the way when you pray to God, take me deeper. He goes, you serious? Okay. But uh, it's always good. And um, now we're, it's ended up, we're heading to Africa. So who would have thought? I know, I feel like Forrest Gump. This is the next phase of my adventure. And uh, my beautiful wife and um, the two children, uh, these two, that's Kate and Sam. Sam's 19. That was when he graduated from Guildford. Kate's in year 10 there. And um, they are coming with us, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah, real, just amazing how the doors open up. We're involved with a charity called Water for Africa and um, we get to go over there and work in Tanzania for three months and uh, really excited about what might come of that over there. My wife's been over there four times before with some medical teams and uh, it's got some great opportunities. And I did say to my kids on the way up here, I said, you know, I'm taking the youngest two to Africa, <laughs> I'm taking you two to Kalamunda. <laughs> <laughs> So they're very lucky today. Good to have Jesse and Jamie with us. And as we pulled into the car park, Jamie goes, oh, I know this. We were here for the singling thing the other, the other week. Uh, we were here with the, the, the Miss Part and the Steel Band, which was a fantastic night. And, you know, that night, actually, I had a, felt to share a word, but I didn't. And now I feel to share just this morning. Just for, this is for Callum on the Church of Christ. And um, just your, your outlook here. On the hill of this city, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. I just really sense in this community there's a desire within this church to um, 
to be a light in this place. Really, I can sense it. I sensed it when I came here before. And I feel like you're coming into that season. You're coming into that time where God is going to lift this church up as on a hill. And um, he's going to allow his light to shine through each of you that he might be glorified in this town. And uh, I just pray that would be a great, great word for you. Sorry, I get emotional. Bit of a bit of a sook. Just ask my family. But, um, yeah, I really pray that that would... Uh, You'd receive that this morning. All right, I'm reading. As we got the scripture this morning, I'm, I'm a pretty simple message. I'm a simple country boy, not too complicated. We got that passage from Philippians this morning. Beautiful. Peace. And we want to talk about peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. How about we pray? How about we bow our heads for a sec? Just clean up my snot. Father, thank you for this beautiful opportunity to be here this morning and we we thank you for your presence we thank you for the time of worship and um lord we just ask that you would you would minister your peace into our hearts because there is a world that needs it more than ever just pray this in jesus name amen peace eh calamunda church of christ our faith is centered around jesus christ Church of Christ, and uh, one of the primary missions of Christ on earth was peace. Luke 2, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Yeah? Peace was proclaimed by heaven at the coming of Jesus. And uh, indeed, it was prophesied before he came. Isaiah chapter 9, for to us, a child is born, to us the son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Prince of Peace. Yeah, how good. And it's an unfolding revelation, and it's an unfolding declaration in all of Paul's letters, this idea of peace. In Ephesians 2, he says, For he himself is our peace. And he has made the two groups one, destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, as we've heard this morning, Serena, for through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. Peace. How is your personal peace rating this morning? Where would you be sitting on a scale of zero to peace? I um you know, maybe if we were asking the US president what what do you long for world peace? Or it may be a um Miss Universe contestant. What do you hope for? World peace. <laughs> world peace. I don't know, uh Christ came to bring peace. But in twenty twenty two, how how do you think we're going with that? I'm not sure if you've uh, checked out your telly lately or read the news seems to be, from my observations, a distinct lack of peace in the planet. 
Was that just me? Um, you know, constant stress and fear. Worries about COVID. Been an interesting couple of years, hasn't it? I know it's interrupted all our lives and, you know, up until I finished, well, 2020 and 2021, I had 82 PCR tests with with in the AFL. We were getting stuck up our nose every second day when we were in hubs in Queensland and, yeah, it was, uh, COVID's been crazy. And I'd say to a few people, it's absolutely turned the world upside down because uh, West Coast can't win and Frio can't lose, which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But um, vaccines, rumours of war, there's economic sanctions going on. China's going crazy, talking about Taiwan and the US, Russia and Ukraine happening at the moment. Europe all over the shop. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Lack of peace there. <laughs> on and on it goes. And, uh, and none of it's new, is it? These things have been happening for centuries in the world. Not just a global lack of peace, but, but what about the personal struggle with peace? What about the rise of mental health issues? Self-harm, suicides, depression, anxiety, especially our children, our youth and our teens. It's like, a, that's the pandemic, isn't it? It's not great. A lack of peace on a global scale, I think, is just indicative and reflective, of perhaps, of a lack of peace on a personal scale. And I've spent a lot of time the last 22 years, had the privilege of being in ministry and pastoral care and uh, involved a lot of my, my, my time working with men and uh, obviously in chaplaincy and, and listening to people who lack uh, inner and outer peace. There's a stress and there's a tension inside Many of our hearts and minds and uh, the same conflict often then outworks in our relationships, businesses, our homes, our marriages, our families. We lack peace. And we've even cons we've coined a modern phrase, haven't we? Inner peace. Inner peace. What is inner peace? If you look it up, the nice answer. Inner peace is defined as a state of physical and spiritual calm despite many stresses, to find your peace of mind means finding happiness, contentment and bliss no matter how hard you go through life. You know, there's a growing search and an industry centred around inner peace and uh, anyone who's willing to step up and offer some kind of solution or psychological help for an individual, they can, uh, you know, help people find inner peace Solutions that might focus on our ability to change ourselves, a humanistic approach that suggests the answer is uh, hidden deep within us. Man, I wish all the answers were hidden deep within me. But uh, I've found looking at myself, I get more confused. And often uh, we can uh, use medication as a revolving door, but there's problems deeper than just our minds. There's a spiritual problem. Not that I don't... You know, I think the, the, the wonders of modern science have got so many answers and, and they help us. But when you look at the mass struggle we seem to have at the moment, you've got to wonder with the amount of depressed and anxious people that something's not right in modern life. I just want to propose that there is a spiritual problem in need of a spiritual solution. Mental health is important and uh, one of the simplest ways 
I just, to deal with it is to get people to talk for sure. Speak out what's going on in our heads and hearts. It's a great start. But if we do not address the spiritual problem, it often seems we're just putting band-aids on a mortal wound. It's, it might look like it's doing something for a short while because true peace for humanity came in the form of a baby in a manger who then grew to become a man who gave his life on a cross. Peace to all men on whom his favour rests. And that's why the greatest news of the gospel is the greatest offering of peace for humanity is found in the man who is also God, and that is Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. And in John 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace is not circumstantial. It is a positional peace. Sealed forever, our peace with God. Yeah? All of us, just quickly, an explanation of our condition. We're born into a state of warfare from our sinful nature, the seed of Adam come through us, fallen, broken humanity, separated from God, where we are naturally opposed to the holy, righteous and perfect nature of God. And so we are essentially at war with ourselves. The sinful nature, Paul writes so eloquently in, in Romans seven nineteen. for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Anyone relate to that? The struggle with our flesh. However, Christ came on the cross and he ended that reign of sin through his life, death and resurrection and he has brought all of us complete and total peace with God through faith in Christ, yeah? And this is a peace way beyond feelings, way beyond the definition of a state of calm and it's way beyond the end of wars and violence. It's a total and unconditional peace with God through faith in Jesus and I for one. I'm grateful. That's the gospel, and it's why many of us here gathered today. And Jesus went on to say in uh, John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. That seems like a contradiction there from Jesus. Hang on, I've told you you'll have peace, but no, I'm telling you you'll have trouble as well. Hang on, what about this peace? It's just confirming it's a peace with God in this world, the circumstances, you're still going to have trouble. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's not saying that there aren't going to be valleys and shadows in your life, but in the midst of them, he's with you, yeah? He's our true peace, our true inner peace, reconciled to God through his work on the cross. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace and uh, Paul as I mentioned has been entrusted with that message of peace and we end up in Philippians but uh, there's 249 references to peace in scripture and Paul wrote about it in every single one of his letters starting in Romans therefore since we've been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ first Corinthians God is not a God of disorder but a God of peace he writes, grace and peace to you in 2 Corinthians, goes on in every one of his letters. And he's picked up, like I said, to start with one of the most significant things Christ came to do was to bring us peace. And we sometimes overlook it. And we wrestle 
because we don't have a revelation of what he did on the cross that it's, the peace has been purchased for you and for me. And we get to our verse this morning. End of Philippians there, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your hearts and your minds, the spiritual and the mental, the whole peace when it comes to peace. <laughs> the whole peace. And um, like I said, we often ignore our, our spirituality to our own, own peril. There is a spiritual problem, needs a spiritual answer. And, you know, Paul wasn't someone who just spoke peace. He understood it in his life, right? He wrote these letters to the Philippians from his own imprisonment, a Roman prison. And it wasn't a response to a crisis. It was actually a letter of, when he wrote to the Philippians, of thanks for the support from the church at Philippi. And if you, if you love the, the New Testament letters, this is Paul's opus of joy. It was his fourth prison letter. Get your head around a man who'd been in jail for a long time writing letters. And his themes in this letter around humility and contentment from jail. This is a guy not just talking the talk. He's walking the walk when it comes to peace. And he understood the peace we have in Christ. He lived it out. And, you know, if I was going to take any advice or well-being directions from anyone any mental solutions and this ancient text from a man who was inspired by God and empowered as he wrote through the Holy Spirit, it would be Paul the Apostle. And I'd, I'd venture to say across the last 2,000 years, how many people have drawn inspiration from the words he penned in that prison? Beautiful, isn't it? Countless millions of people. And so it's right here that I kind of want to focus in on the next bit of time we've got because Paul gives us a beautiful outworking and a four-step path to peace. Yes, he preaches positional peace with God, which is what it's all about. But amazingly, all those years ago, he's given us a little guide here. And, you know, I think Paul, if he was around today, he'd be a modern-day guru with what he's got. He'd probably have a uh, three million Instagram followers and a YouTube channel, and they'd be getting this guy to come and speak because he had wisdom from God. Because we, don't, we know we have peace with God, but don't we want to walk it out? Don't we want to live it out? Don't we want to shine that peace to this, this world? Because I'm putting my hand up. Man, I've had, just ask my wife the last few months, had times of lack of peace, haven't I, baby? And you've had to put up with that. <laughs> peace. But there's a, I'm preaching to myself here as I am every time. I get on the mic, but how do we do this in practice? And I love, there's just a simple, simple little four-step thing outlaid here. And I want to focus on that today, accessing our peace in Christ. So number one, falls, this is Paul's uh, four-step path to peace. Number one, be joyful. Yeah, be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, yeah? I don't know if you guys, Church of Christ, sang the same songs as Baptists. Did you know that one? Remember that in Sunday school? Sorry. Anyone? Anyone? No? Yeah, okay. Uh, rejoice. Joy. There's 242 references to joy in the Scripture. And uh, fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Second fruit of the Spirit. It's up there. We talk about love. 
But have we forgotten the joy that's been purchased for us? Isaiah 55, 12, you go out with joy and be led forth in peace. They're related. Joy. And uh, the Greek here for rejoice is, is the word Cairo means to be, it's an outward, outward expression of joy, socially joyful. It's coming from our connectedness to others, and, and it comes from uh, the noun kara, meaning rejoice due to security, connectedness. It's our appropriate response to grace. It's not a private elation, but it's almost like this social expression of what has happened. That we rejoice. We get it out. That's what we do in worship. Beautiful this morning. Thank you. An outward express gratitude. And uh, one of my biggest biggest uh, influences back in the early days of, of in ministry was a guy by the name of Phil Baker at Review Church. And he used to say all the time, he'd say, it's the greatest act of hypocrisy as believers if we, if we say what we believe what we do, and yet it doesn't come out of our lives, not expressed. Enjoy with a smile on our faces. If we have this truth, we don't live it, yeah? For we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Second Corinthians 5.20. Therefore Christ's ambassadors, though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're reconcilers, ambassadors for Christ. How does that work out for us as Christians? Do we look like we've got something that we're living out or we look like we come in and suck lemons all morning? What do we got? Yeah? We got joy. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Joyful. Rejoice in the Lord. And, it, you know, it's not just an external feeling, of, but it's a rejoicing in the Lord, as I said. It doesn't mean we don't ever feel sad or unhappy, but greater than all those feelings is this depth of joy. Uh, John Piper defines joy as this. Joy is a good feeling the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in his word and in his work. But it's more than a feeling. More than a feeling. Any Boston fans? That's another old one. All the oldies know these songs. Ah, joy. How are we going with joy? Do we reflect in our prayer and devotion to God? Do we look at this, this aspect of his spirit? Is our life marked with joy? I've got times it is. and oh Yeah, times I'd struggle to be a joyful man. But it's a work of the Spirit, and he repeats himself here, and it's one of the most attractive, deep, pervading sense of optimism, hope, gladness. We have joy. And, you know, we can't command joyfulness in us any more than you can force yourself to laugh on cue. But, you know, Paul does teach us in Romans, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, yeah? So what are we renewing our mind to? And there is an element in joy of choosing. There really is. I've got to admit, as was mentioned, I did five, uh, eight years of breakfast radio. And I remember when I got offered the gig, I got off the phone and I said, no one wants to get up that early. That's ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a late night guy, musician. I'm naturally quite melancholy and reflective. You know, breakfast radio, like those guys are always happy. And that's, a, that's part of the smoke and mirrors of, of Brecky Radio. I had to get up every morning in the dark and I go in there and pretend I was happy for three hours. <laughs> and um, you know what? It, was, it taught me, if nothing else, it did teach me the power of choosing that. 
and that it was a, you know, I could choose it, I could step into it and make that decision. And, my, you know, much again, I'd, my wife hated it because I'd give all my happiness and come home and there was none left. <laughs> my good attitude on air. Uh, but it, there's a choice in it, isn't there? There's a real choice. And um, Paul wrote from a prison cell. So he was choosing it. He had insight and a revelation of what Christ has done. Have you ever wondered what kind of mood God is in? Yeah? Because I think we can easily fall to the angry dad thing. That's not God. If we we become the fruit of the Spirit, if we're growing in that, and the fruit of the, the fruit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, self-control, joy. God's perpetually in a pretty good mood, I reckon. He's seen the end from the beginning, looked at what he did, said it was very good. He's in a good mood. Let's get alongside him and be the same. Why not, eh? And it is a hard thing to articulate. You know, we discover aspects of joy, maybe when we get some good news of the birth of a grandchild, the act of love, of service, fulfill the opportunity to be generous. Without recompense, we get joy. But these, again, are circumstantial. Paul commands us, rejoice in the Lord. And I wonder if we spend as much time reflecting and meditating on joy as we do, perhaps looking at, you know, comparing ourselves on the on the old thumb treadmill and... Um, checking out what's going on if we looked at joy rejoice in the lord so number one paul's first step is be joyful it's easy nothing profound here today like i said very simple number two be gentle wow this is this is a game changer i don't know so rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near gentleness and what a beautiful thing gentleness is and uh it's a it's seemingly another old-fashioned virtue that value that's kind of out of vogue but uh used to be a thing to be a gentleman a gentlewoman and i don't know when the last time any of us here heard instructions or someone esteeming the values of gentleness to be gentle people to reflect on gentleness and that trait that would manifest in our lives. Again, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Right there between faithfulness and self-control is gentleness. And the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. And uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is the only passage where Jesus talked about his own heart. And he says this, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Wow. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Gentleness. I grew up in a farming community and um, had the opportunity in the bush, and much like you guys in the hill settings. It's beautiful here, rocky pool over the back here. Anyone loves that spot? Yeah, get there for some prayer. It's um, But so much, I find God's nature is obviously revealed to us in creation but that aspect of gentleness because i look at some of the smallest things in creation that we can see the tiniest flowers that no you can walk over without noticing and 
yet God has taken care to make them so beautiful if you stop and look. Beck and I, uh, last October, had the opportunity to walk out a dream and that literally walk out a dream. We walked the Cape to Cape from uh, Cape Naturalist to Cape Lawn down in the south. And um, un unreal, if you get the chance to do it, it's just a magical five to eight days, depending on how hard you want to go. <laughs> we did it in six. But uh, we had a wonderful wet year last year and the, all the creeks were reaching the ocean and the flowers and, and the beauty, the beauty that, that our maker has put time into these, the tiniest details of this world. It was just incredible. And, um, and yet I also look at the same time, I don't know if anyone got up, anyone get up early this week just before sunrise, look out the southeast, see the parade of the planets? Anyone? Tim? Yeah. Good, eh? Amazing, hey? So I don't know if anyone, for those going, what are you talking about tomorrow? Missed it. But, but four planets had lined up in the southeast. Once, last time it happened, 947 AD. And, and there was four, I think it was Venus, Mercury, um, what was it, Jupiter, Saturn. Anyway, it was amazing. And, um, and the, even around Christmas, there was a, a, a Geminids, a bunch of... Meteors, Beck and I were down on holidays down on the strip down there in Bustleton there on the coast. We got up and we sat there and we counted, we counted 27 shooting stars in one hour. It was amazing. This God who can create the cosmos at his word, like the vastness of the God we worship, his power, and yet he will choose to speak to you and me in a whisper. That's self-control. That's gentleness. You know, he could, you know, Bruce Almighty, smite me, you mighty smiter. <laughs> God does not smite us. He whispers and treats us so gently. Oh, it's so good. You're a good encourager, man. <laughs> he speaks in a whisper. And um, if we desire peace, we must sow in peace. And it's outward. I've just finished reading this book called Gentle and Lowly. It's a beautiful book by a guy called Dane Ortland. And he says, looking inside ourselves, we can only anticipate harshness from heaven. Looking inside ourselves. That's a humanistic approach to peace. But looking outwards to Christ, we can anticipate only gentleness. That's what set Christ apart, a lamb to the slaughter. And uh, in life... Galatians chapter uh, 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. We reap what we sow. So, are we so what kind of words do we sow? Harsh, angry, violent, impatient words? Are we sowing? to the spirit of gentleness gentleness he'll come back to us and there's a world that's often full of greed hey self-indulgent where the focus is what's in it for me what do i get out of it we're called to walk in the opposite spirit of selflessness and be gentle and saint francis de sales says this nothing is so strong as gentleness nothing so gentle as real strength oh, that's awesome I just implore this one to the men here today. I really would encourage you to reflect on the strength of being gentle because you are then, you're pulling into line 
the gift God has given you, which is strength and power, where God's calling you to stand up and be strong, but you're controlling it, not speaking angry, harsh words to your wives, your children. One, be joyful. Number three, we've got three do's and one don't. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Don't worry. You hearing me? This is a good one from Paul and from Christ. Do not worry. We can be joyful. We can be gentle. But stop doing this. Stop worrying. And the greatest treatise on worry. I don't know if you've got any worriers in this room. Oh, I'm sure there is. My dad was a real good worrier. He's got better. But um, don't worry. No one? Does anyone here worry? Well, no, be honest. That's good. Jesus, Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow a reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Look at the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass, the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? So do not worry by saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For your heavenly Father, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Enough said. Like, Daddy, how good is that from Jesus? That is so good and yet we all struggle with worry jesus was speaking right into it psalm 37 8 says this do not give in to worry or anger it leads only to evil the niv do not fret leads only to evil it's pretty straightforward worry is a path to evil that's confronting isn't it and a lot of us, I think, we feel like we're justified in our worry and anxiety, like it's actually an optional pastime. I choose to worry. <laughs> you know, an older version of Philippians 4 actually says, be anxious for nothing. And I ran into a friend of mine recently and at church, Barbara Ridgard, she goes to me, I said, how are you going, Bob? She says, I am anxious for nothing. And I said to her, I said, most people are. And then she didn't get it. You get what I'm saying? An old, old turn of phrase, be anxious for nothing. I'll go, most people are anxious for nothing. They're anxious for nothing, for no reason. You can take it both ways. Be anxious for nothing. Worry is a waste of time. And um, I love this quote. Worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, 
but it gets you nowhere. Yeah. Well, you sit in that chair rocking hard as you want. You ain't moving. You get nothing done. And uh, sometimes I think we, we talk about worry in our lives like a badge of honour. The more worries we have in our lives, somehow in this performance-driven world, the more important we are. If you have worries, if you have no worries, you obviously got nothing important to do. But let me tell you about my worries. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I um, It's like... I don't know, I've met people in the bush, the city, media, sport, in farming, mining. And I tell you, blokes, every one of us, we can find something to worry and stress about. We can. And 99% of the time, as Jesus picked up here just before this, a man cannot serve two gods. He will either hate one, love the other, and be devoted to one, despise the other. man cannot serve both God and money. A lot of times our worry is connected to, to the old cash, money, but I tell you what, worry does do something. Um, you know, say worry does nothing. I'm saying it does nothing. It actually does do something. Worry makes you sick. If you just want to Google a bit, just do a quick search of the, the scientifically linked things to stress, right? Here's a quick 10. Insomnia, lack of sleep if you worry. Number two, eating disorders. Three, depression. Four, anxiety and panic attacks. Five, colds and viruses. Six, circulatory problems. Seven, systemic or local infections like, like an ulcer. Number eight, diabetes. Number nine, heart disease. Ten, cancer. And the list keeps going. Ten things. And there's no judgment here. I've done my fair share of stress, but I'm pointing out it's not good for you. <laughs> so why would we worry? Let's not worry. It's no good for us. And like Psalm says all those 3,000 years ago, do not fret. It leads only to evil. Do not be anxious about anything. What we've done wrong has been paid for. All that we are not has been sorted out as well. The sins of omission. Christ is the fullness of righteousness and has atoned for all that we've done wrong and all that we're not. And so we can choose to be preoccupied with stress and anxiety, but it will not give us the peace that Christ so generously offers. So number one, be... Yeah. Number two, be gentle. Number three, don't worry. Be happy. Yeah. Don't worry. It's easy. What a beautiful little four-step thing that Paul's laid out. Number four, be prayerful. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Be prayerful. This is what we can do. Yeah, don't worry, but do this thing. Put your energy, put all that energy, that pent-up thing, put it into prayer. And, you know, prayer, there's a definition of prayer that I just thought, man, this is so funny. Prayer is an invocation or act that seeks to activate a report with an object of worship through deliberate communication. You know, prayer is, it's talking to dad. That's what it is. Hey, Dad, it's me again. <laughs> I know you've been here all day, but, oh, man, this is... Pray without ceasing, Paul says. Colossians 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. The book of Psalms, book of Acts, prayer. So much prayer. They prayed, the disciples prayed. They met together and prayed. 
Jesus said, when you pray, yeah? When you pray. He says, Matthew 6, 5 to 6, when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, it's assumed you're going to do this. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Beautiful, hey? And um, another great quote. I love this. is so challenging. Corrie Ten Boom says this. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That puts it right where it is. When things go wrong, get a flat, oh, get the spare tire out of the boot, I need God. Or is it your steering wheel? In other words, you can't operate your life without it. Yeah? I think for a lot of us, it, it's easy to be the spare tire when it, when it hits the fan. And, you know, like I said, if worry is a rocking chair where we're sitting there getting nothing done, then prayer is a tractor. That's what it is. That's the work of the kingdom. Get in your tractor of prayer and get stuff done. It's the grunt work of the kingdom of God. Total dependence because the battle is the Lord's. Yeah, and even the fact, you know, like I said about talking things out, even just articulating the things that go through your mind, anxiety, speaking them out your mouth before God will create a sense of order in your own world. It's a beautiful gift. And, and the Bible talks about where we get our faith from is from answered prayer. Look at all the stories. Hannah prayed to God. David and his prayers are answered. Daniel, I was reading Daniel this morning again. And King Darius and the lion's den. I love that story. Disciples prayed. Paul and Silas are in prison. They prayed. And I'm sure has anyone in their life, in this room, ever had a prayer answered? Yeah. Two people. That's awesome. Come on, Lord. Doing better than that. You know, God has answered so many of my prayers. And I could stand here all day and tell you when I was a young man, I gave my heart to Jesus. He took away my, my filthy mouth. I had a mouth like a pig bucket. And I said, God, take away my filthy lips. And when I got saved as a teenager, God heard my prayer. I asked for a wife. And he brought her to my front gate of the farm. Good on you, God. And... um. It's provided for my family again and again in times of need. We've asked for his supply when we've been without and finances. I had a prayer answered. I drove past on the way here this morning in 2009, Angus Buchan. I went on a Wednesday to see an ENT specialist. I'd been leading worship so much. I had really irritated throat. They put a camera down it and they said, yes, there was this potato farmer coming, Angus Buchan. That night, end of worship, anyone need prayer, put my hands up. Healed my throat, never been back since. God he answers prayer. And I've seen God restore relationships, open doorways, lead some amazing opportunities. One of my stories I like to tell about an answered prayer, this is funny, and Nick, Nick Natanui is a mate of mine, he won't tell, mind me saying this, he shared it on radio one time with me. And um, back in, in 2009, um, round 13 it was. Hang on, round 8, 2013. Got it written here. Round 8, 2013. Great story. Nick and I had, had wanted to meet up and pray before a game, the Eagles. And uh, the first time we did it, that week he had lost someone. A little kid had died. And uh, he was wearing a black armband and we are praying for that kid. And we, we sat in this little media room at, at Subiaca Oval. 
and we prayed together. And we said, Lord, whatever happens tonight in this game of footy, would you just be glorified? Would you allow Nick to glorify your name? And um, end of the game, the Eagles are behind by, by two points. And uh, Nick now takes a mark and the siren goes. And I'm sitting there going, I can't believe it. It was such a great game of footy. And I can't believe he... And I'm sitting, I have to say, I couldn't watch. I heard the crowd. I just closed my eyes because I knew he was going to kick this goal. And he went back and kicked the goal. They won by two points. He run. It was just incredible. that. And no one else knew that story. Nick and I knew. We'd said, God, tonight... And that led to, from that, from that, and um, when I left, left the club, actually, at Christmas, the footy manager got up and played that clip when they were thanking me, and they said, this was the first time we had chapel. This happened. And I showed everyone, and, yeah, and that we, then from then on, in fact, one of the beautiful things is the club still have managed to get someone to come in pre-game and lead the boys in prayer, which is awesome. God answers prayer. He cares about things, little things like... Kicking a goal to win a game, how good. But uh, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. Wow, Billy Graham said that. And of all the time we could spend doing a lot of things, it's not wasted in prayer. And it's the final step on the path to peace with God. With, and it says this, the baseline of prayer is thanksgiving. That's the foundational. We give thanks, choosing to focus on all that God has done, not what we don't have, but giving thanks, and that protects our heart. And you know what's amazing? It becomes circular, this little four-step journey, because when we pray to God and we give thanks out of that place of thankfulness, we begin to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And so there it is. Four steps to outwork in your peace. Number one, be joyful. Number two, be gentle. Number three, don't worry. Number four, be prayerful. Isn't that beautiful, simple, given to us in the word that we would walk out lives of peace in this earth. How about we pray and thank God this morning. Heavenly Father, you are the God of all comfort and all peace. And we are aware that this world needs peace more than ever. Right now, there is a very hurting world. People we know in our street, in our lives, even maybe people today, lacking peace. And uh, we ask you to keep drawing near to us, that we could walk this out with the power of your spirit, that we would rejoice. We would be gentle, we'd, we'd no longer worry, and we'd come to you in prayer, Lord. And um, I just pray again for this church in Kalamunda, each person, that peace would manifest in their lives, in their workplaces, in their families, in their ministries, and it would guard their hearts, it would protect them. Keep out those things that are not of you, but hold in those things that are. They guard the perfect guard of peace. And and Father, I pray that out of that place, we would be agents of your peace in this world. And we thank you and we bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.